Hi, my name is Peter Mo, and I'm from Tourism Ireland's Nordic office in Copenhagen. Today we will be talking about Dublin's iconic music studio, Windmill Lane Recording Studios, where artists such as U2, Rolling Stones, and many more have recorded albums. We have the perfect person with us here today to enlighten us on this. Aidan Alcock, director at Windmill Lane Recording Studios. Now, Aidan, you're very welcome to our show today. Would you mind telling our listeners what's so special about Windmill Lane Recording Studios and what's the history of the studio? Well, Windmill Lane Recording Studios was started back in 1978, which was 44 years ago, by a sound engineer, Brian Masterson, and a post-production studio owner, James Morris. They looked at and looked into setting up a really good recording studio for Dublin, Ireland, because there was nothing like it at the time. And they invested heavily in all the equipment and so on to make sure that it was a world-class recording studio. It was designed by a guy called John Storick. And John Storick is a famous architect among studios. He, he designed Electric Lady Studios in New York for Jimi Hendrix. He also designed other recording studios for very famous people like Jay-Z and so on. But he had a unique take on the way a recording studio should be designed. He wanted to, when recording studios were being, you know, designed to be very, very small and sort of dead sounding, he was going for the bigger live rooms, more reverb, more reflections. So you got bigger types of sounds in his studios. And they were amazing. They were really, really good. Yeah. So Brian Masterson and James Morris... They knew they were taking a big risk, but luckily in 1980, a band came on the scene into the studio and recorded their debut album. That band was U2 and the album was Boy. So very often recorded studios, exactly. Very often recording studios can be associated sometimes with their most successful sort of clients. So, you know, when you think of Abbey Road Studios in London, you might think of the Beatles. When you think of Sun Studios, Mm -hmm. you think of Elvis. When people think of Women Lane, they think of U2. But that's really isn't, you know, the full story, because although U2 helped put the studio on the map, it's all the other clients that came into the studio thereafter. And it was, it was really credit to Brian and James for putting the investment in in the first place to ensure that these clients would come and would be happy with the results in which they, they, they got. So international acts started to use the studios, coming from abroad to use the studios. And that, that's what really made Women Lane so unique. Fair enough. That's really impressive. It's a... Uh, it's- uh, impressive repertoire to have like a uh, big famous artist coming to your studio in Dublin. Yeah. And I suppose at the time, you know, when you two were coming into the studio for the first time, they they weren't that famous, you know, <laughs> you know, when you think of it, it's what came thereafter, but they were using the facilities so well that when they got their engineer and producer in and eventually found that match in the studio that producer was able to capture that the energy in which they had on stage and was able to put that down onto tape at the time and you know it it was a highly successful album and they made a number of albums in Wimbledon thereafter is there any significance between the studio and ireland yeah i think you know ireland would have you know 
you know, a huge music background. There's always plenty mm. of playing and singing at, at, at every gathering, you know, you know, whether it be, you know, a wedding or a funeral or any excuse, you know, in a session. So at the time when Women was starting, there was no recording studio in Ireland. So all the artists that, rec- oh. that, that recorded went abroad. You know, so what what Brian and James had to do is win their confidence and say, no, don't go abroad, stay here, do it here. And we will invest the equipment to uh, and we'll invest the money with the rooms, with the, you know, w- with the multi-track recording, the, the micro, the, the correct microphones, the mixing consoles. And they did that and it worked. Great. So you might say that uh, it's had an impact on Irish culture in, in terms of letting Irish musicians record and produce in Ireland. Yeah, well, without a doubt. And, you know, you know, although a lot of people might think, you know, it, you know, you two and, you know, Women Lane Recording Studios, as I said, the story is much more than that. It's it's everybody and anybody, really. And all different st- styles and genres of music as well is recorded in Women Lane. And it stayed, the studio stayed then on Women Lane for 12 years. And James and Brian uh, parted ways in 1990 and Brian moved the recording studios from Windmill Lane to another area, which is about 10 minutes away, 10 minutes walk away into the Docklands. And that's now in Ringsend Road, 20 Ringsend Road. That was back in 1990. So the studios has been in Ringsend Road now for 32 years. But most people think it's still on Wimmer Lane, you know. Well, and it makes re- sense. And the reason being is that we never put a sign on the front door. We never told anybody, you know, that, that this was a recording studio. We only put a sign ourselves up on the front door in the past, say, five or six years. We didn't want people knowing what the building was actually what was going on in behind those particular doors, you know, because there was a certain amount of, you know, secrecy as well at the same time, you know. Obviously, yeah. So it actually makes sense to keep the old name that uh, kind of misled where it was. Um, to, to some degree, but the, the name was really well, you know, uh, embedded, established. In, uh, you know, in, yeah. and well, esta- definitely well established. And um, Brian wanted to have a studio. At the time, I think Wimmel had a number of different studios that wasn't necessarily on Wimmel Lane. Wimmel 1 was on Wimmel Lane, but Wimmel 2 was near Stevens Green in Dublin, around by people might know the hotel at Shelbourne. And yeah. the windmill too was in in behind a car park in there, so no one knew where that one was either. So all the three there was three um, recording studios, and they all merged into Ring's End. And Brian oh, wanted right. to have the space in order to record bigger ensembles as well. So it was a different chapter for for Windmill Lane, but it was a much it was a very very exciting chapter for for it as well. All the clients that were using Wimmer Lane on Wimmer Lane moved to 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 Ring's End for, for the music. But also the the added bonus was that we could now record large ensembles. So mm. film scoring became a big part of, of the business as well. Oh any any film score that you might have heard of that uh was recorded there? You would know Mission Impossible and the team music for that. Definitely. Uh, the My Left Foot. Yeah have you seen Peter, have you seen The Commitments, which was an Alan Parker film 
I highly recommend to you if you haven't seen it. But uh, that was an Alan Parker film. A River Runs Through It with Brad Pitt, you know, um, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Have you seen The Talented Mr. Ripley? Um, Recently, we would have done music as well for Disney and so on. But funny enough, then as well, recently, we would have done a lot of ensembles for games, for game music. You know, so the production, the production is all there t- to do it. It's all very varied and, and many things that are actually done there then. Yeah, As without a-, a doubt, without a doubt. So, you know, a studio can't afford just to say, oh, we're only going to do rock and that's it. We would be doing rock to Irish traditional, to, to rap, to whatever, you know. Fair enough. Are there any famous bands that are recorded that are worth mentioning? You know, well, all, obviously all of them, but yeah. <laughs> Every time I get asked this question, I sort of freeze because it's more of a more of a thing of where where do you stop? You know, so if I went <laughs> through the list of artists that have recorded in Wimmel over the past 44 years, you're talking about Kate Bush, you're talking about Elvis Costello, 50 Cent, The Cranberries, Depeche Mode, Hosier, uh, Lady Gaga, oh. Nora Jones, Metallica, New Order. Sinead O'Connor, Ed Sheeran, The Spice Girls, Def Leppard, Van Morrison, Rolling Stones, and just the list goes on, do you know? And of I, course, you too. So what would you do on your tours then? And what tours are on offer? Well, our tour is unique. It really is because the visitors are coming to, to see a working studio. It's not a museum, you know, it's, you know, and not a visitor center as such. They're coming to see a working studio that when we're open for tours, we have visitors in, but when we're closed, that's when we would have a client in or so on. So okay. what we try to do, first of all, is that when a visitor comes into us, we want to you know, explain to them how it all sort of works, you know, how a recording studio works. So we bring them in and we explain to them how, what the, the what is the function of the mixing console? What is the function of the multi-track? And we explain to them how multi-track recording works. And this sort of helps them to lay the foundation for them before they actually go to see the studios themselves. So they can probably appreciate it that little bit more instead of just going into a room with, with a desk that has a load of lights on it and so on. And anybody who is sort of uniquely interested in, in music or, or has any interest in music really, really loves the tour. They really, you know, get a behind the scenes look at all the technology and we demonstrate how a recording is mixed together. They, we take the, the visitors through our gallery of presentation discs from all the different albums that were recorded there. And one of the things that is really unique about that as well is that we try to explain to people the link between those recordings as well. Like for, for instance, you might have, oh. you know, you might have the cores may have recorded there and they would have recorded with the likes of Mutt Lang, who's a very famous, very famous producer. You know, he's a top, top producer. Whereas further on down our gallery would have Def Leppard. They also recorded with Mutt Lang and they famously recorded Hysteria, if you know that album, with mm. um, Mutt Lang as well. He's a real perfectionist who ended up being married to Shania Twain 
And he recorded Shania Twain in Wimbledon Record Studios as well, you know. Fair enough. So it is a unique experience for, for people to come around. We try to, to go around the studios and we try to explain how it all sort of works and how it all operates. And everybody knows the bands. Everybody knows the artists and so on. But they, they might know the people behind the scenes. As I was mentioning there, Mutt Lang. They might know Steve yeah. Lillywhight. They might know Flood. They might know all the people behind the scenes that really deserve a strong credit for the work in which they do they, they've done like you take a band like you two who are complete perfectionists in what it is that they do they only want to work with the best who is the best and why do they want to work with them and that's what we try to explain to, you know to the visitors as well and they sort of get it by the by the time they, they they leave the studios and of course we want to make it fun as well so the studio so visitors um experience a unique listening experience which is known as binaural recording and in this binaural recording we actually introduce the the visitor to our ghost and his name is cosmo because any good tour has to have a ghost in it you know it's very 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 important and uh and then the finale really is that they go to visit the main studio which is studio one which is, takes up the entire top floor of our building which used to be a power station to the trams of dublin back in its day and in this studio this studio is, is capable of holding an 80 piece orchestra so you can imagine the size of it wow as well. that's and Huge. you know, like yeah, and and the recordings that have been done there, like you think, you know, when you listen to River Dance, everybody would know River Dance. That was recorded mm-hmm. there, you know. So you can you can imagine what it must be like with you know an eighty piece orchestra going at the, playing at the same time, coming into that mixing console, which in actual fact we had to crane into the building. You know, back in the day as well. Now we, we weren't there at that particular time, um, but you know, they they craned the mixing console up three floors in through the, the side of the wall, which they turned into a window in order to be able to to, to cater for the size of this beast of a mixing console, and all the equipment back then was massive you know a massive expense. Like as I said, James and Brian had spent. A load, a, a huge investment in their initial, you know, setup. But even you know, t- still today, you're always investing in new microphones. You're always investing in effects units, speakers, and mm. some of the some of this equipment is now vintage. So they don't make it anymore, and you know, it's actually increased in price because you can't get it anymore. And an awful lot of the the equipment is tried to be mimicked by you know, as well by computers. So you might see on a computer, you might see plate reverb or whatever it might be. Well, we have an actual plate reverb, the real thing in Wimble. It's huge, you know, it's massive. And what it is, is a big metal plate suspended in a wooden box that when you sing or send a signal into it through a speaker, it vibrates this metal inside the box. And then that's your reverb. And you can decide how long the reverb is going to be by a dampener that's on the metal to make it, what, say, four seconds long, or you might make it, you know, 500 milliseconds long. You know, it's it, it's the real thing, you know, and it's great to see. Wow. I have to say that that sounds, well, also like something that takes up a terribly big amount of space, but that sounds very incredible. Like, uh it must be it must be nice to have the tangible um the tangible process there as in 
as you said, the reverb that you can actually go see how is this done? How was this done? Yeah, like compared I, I, to just the audio editing. Yeah, certain bands would come into the studio and um, you know they'd spend a long time in there, you know, getting the job done. Today it's a bit quicker because the technology is there to, to allow. If the drummer wasn't absolutely spot on, you know, there, there's a technology there that will help perhaps make it, you know, more accurate to some degree, you know, mm. whereas before you'd have to stay there for days on and nights in order to ensure that the drummer got it right. And no offense to drummers or anything, but they always got it in the neck anyway, to be honest. But um, the drummer would put a set of headphones on on their ears and they'd be listening to a metronome and that's all that they would hear and some drummers weren't you know cued in to what a metronome actually did so keeping time was very very difficult for them uh, but that's the whole foundation of any recording or any track is the rhythm section so it really needs to be bang on for every other element that's going to be played up on top of it so it's layered up and layered up and layered up if that wobbles at the bottom it's like the foundation is wobbling on a skyscraper the whole thing is going to wobble at the end so that's why it took so long to get those type of things absolutely accurate and the way that you want them i never knew that that was what drummers listened to i just thought it was the rest of the band or something no okay so it's literally yeah. just the metronome the timekeeping the timekeeping would be very yeah. important and the metronome would be very very important and of course they can hear the rest of the band with you know an element of the vocal and the guitars yeah. and, and, and particularly the bass you know what i mean but it's their job to make sure that they lock in to the mm. to, to the the rhythm of of the music and um as I said, you know, they did have a hard time in the studios over over many years, but there is technology there now that helps that process is what I'm trying to say. And uh, so bands might be be spending as much time in the studio um, as they used to. OK, OK. So how does an artist record at a studio? They, they book a time with you. They come in and yeah. do they just walk in and play what they like and then they generally would send us an email and tell us what the requirements are and all the requirements are different you know what i mean for for orchestras when we do an orchestra it there's a huge amount of preparation done for that orchestra even though the session itself might only be say three hours long the guys might be spending a day or day and a half prepping prepping everything in the room in order to ensure that it's the way it needs to be because once we press record everything needs to work you know and it needs to mm. work in sequence so we have to test every lead we have to test every microphone we test every position we're testing all phase so on an orchestra session there's a lot of assistance on those sessions and it's a real pressure job as well because once the orchestra comes in they need to make sure that once we press record everything works because if they run over a certain you know amount of time you can get into overtime then as well it becomes much more expensive in order to record as well so for the client it's important that it all works as well and yeah. I've, I've had in the past a few nightmares myself in recording strings and orchestras where the technology really wasn't there you know and uh it, you know it's stressful enough without the technology performing the way you want it to definitely but to then turn it around would would What's been your best experience at the studio? Um, there's or been so many, there's been so many, and there's a, there's a number of them I, I can't mention, really, you know? Fair enough. 
but, we, but, but when we launched the tours of the studios um, and it was just before lockdown, I think it was two weeks before lockdown and um, mm. the president of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins and his wife, Sabina, were our guests of honor. And interestingly enough, while I was bringing him around the studios, you know, trying to impress him with our facilities, he then turned around to me and he said, you know, I've been here before, you know, I went, what, you've been here before? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, back when I was the Minister of Culture, the Rolling Stones were in the studio recording and they were in Women Lane for I think it was six months and they're recording the the album Voodoo Lounge. And the guys were very interested in seeing a painting by Caravaggio. It's called The Taking of Christ. And it had been recently found in, in Dublin, you know, this lost painting of the Caravaggio. Okay. And so he, as Minister of Culture, drove down the ministry car and uh, picked up the lads and they all headed off to go and see it. So that's rock and roll, isn't it? That's pretty rock and roll. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You wouldn't, you. I mean, I imagine you were a bit surprised when Michael said that. Yes, absolutely. And like, you know, he's the only, we have a wall inside in the studio that we, you know, all clients that record in Studio One can sign. Um, we might put a photograph of them up on the mm. wall as well. Um, he's the exception that he hasn't recorded in the studio, but he's, he was allowed to, to sign the wall. And we are very honored that he, he did. And um, he's, you know, he's much loved in Ireland. He really is. And he's done yes, a he huge amount of work for for culture in Ireland as well. Fair enough. Apropos of uh, culture, are there any Irish words or sayings that you might share that are relevant to recording studios? Um, I, or music? I, I don't speak. Irish, I know I, st I struggle with English to be honest. <laughs> I really don't, but I'd love to. I'd love to be able to to, to speak Irish. But kill August crack, and this this is a, a saying. Kill is music, mm -hmm. I know, and and crack is known as fun, yeah. and you know it'd be you know it'd be spelt C or A I C. Yeah. So we would still use that today in Ireland as an oh, it was great crack, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, you know, it was great fun, you know what I mean? Uh, so music and fun, and that's what it's all about. That's, I mean, that's that's words to live by. Do you have any tips on for anyone wanting to experience modern music in Ireland? I suppose when visitors come to, to Dublin, you know, they probably all have heard of uh, Temple Bar. And, yeah. you know, Temple Bar would be a real hot spot for, for tourists. And you probably won't find too many locals, you know, in Temple Bar, to be honest. And, and you know yourself, wherever city you are around the world, you know, there is certain areas where a tourist might mm. go. But if you wanted to go and, you know, see a particular band or an artist in Dublin, I would recommend the likes of Vicker Street, um, Whelan's, which is on Wexford Street. Vicker Street is on Thomas Street. Um, and then there's the Worksman's Club which is, is on the keys, you know. I particularly love to see bands and artists in a sort of an intimate surrounding, you know, when I mean, you catch them yeah. on the way up. Because when you go to the massive stadiums that might be 70 or 80,000, you know, you lose it then to me, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know, when you can't see them, it's, it's, it's difficult. And the eyes aren't, aren't what they used to be, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's what it's about. You mean, but when you find an artist where you know you're you're close to and you can hear the music intimately it's it's a great it really is a great experience i remember going to see ray lamantine one a particular time and we were right next to him as he played and it was just magical it really was fantastic 
thank you so much for that. And then finally, where or how can our listeners get in contact to find out more about what you have to on offer? Yeah, absolutely. They can go onto our website and it's wimelanerecording.com. So there's three L's in there. So that's wimelanerecording.com and go to tours and then you can have a look at the calendar. As I said, we are a working studio and that's what makes it unique as well. Mm-hmm. You know, one, as I say, one day we might be doing tours and the next day we might be doing sessions or whatever in the studio. But you have a look at the calendar and try to book in advance to avoid disappointment. Yeah, obviously, because since you can't do a tour while you're recording, you can't, you shouldn't, it's maybe not as easy to just drop by, let's put it like that. This is it. Now, sometimes, you know, they, you know, and that's what we found in, in the past is that that's why we started doing tours as well, you know, because very often what we would do is be walking out the door and there would be someone taking pictures of the building, you know, and you might say to them, do you know what, um, I think there's one of the studios are free. Do you want to pop in and have a quick look, you know, and uh, and we bring them in, you know, and see how, how they get on. And they, they, they just loved it. And then I think it was around 2018 or so when you two were playing across the, the way in the tree arena, which is only about a 10 minute walk from, from where we are in the Docklands, mm-hmm. we decided that we had open our doors to the fans if they registered with us um so they can come in and have a look at the studio because we knew we were going to be just bombarded outside the front of the studio with the fans outside there as well so he said look if you register we, you know we'll, we'll, we'll send you an invite you can pop along unfortunately it was you know it was two thousand people had registered within 12 hours for to come in oh, to, see, to, to see the studios and we said at that particular point, we know we couldn't handle that number. So we we, you know, we did a bit sort of a, a lucky dip and we um, picked out 200 people and uh, it rain came down that particular night. It just floored the place like, you know, and uh, but they all turned up and they, they just walked through the building and they loved it. They really did. So that put it in our heads to say, look, you know, this, you know, there's, there's something in this that, you know, people really, really enjoy it. And if you go on to TripAdvisor, you know, I, we only have a small amount of reviews at the moment, but they're all very, very positive and we're delighted with them. And it's something that we'll always keep on trying to improve because it makes, you know, it makes the tour just more interesting you know and and more interesting for us as well and more interesting to the tour guides who are actually giving the tours that we'll constantly keep changing it and you know altering it to 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 make it better definitely i mean it sounds like the place to go if you love music if you have any any love of any any artist basically or any process of just recording or if you do it yourself it sounds like a fun place to go and experience how it's done and how it should be done. Yes, absolutely. I, absolutely. All right, Aiden, I think this is uh, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to coming to Ireland and uh, hopefully I'll have time to visit uh, the studio if it's not in use. Um, yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.